Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. You're very welcome along to the Big Red Bench this Sunday evening. Plenty to bring you over the next hour. We'll wrap up all the day's results in the Premier League and beyond. Big day in Croke Park. Mayo and Dublin picking up the silverware. Plenty of other finals on around the country also. Man United taking on Newcastle at the moment and it's Newcastle who lead Joe Willock headed the home side in front a matter of minutes ago. We're going to hear from Cork boxer Tommy Hyde. We're going to talk hockey with Abby O'Malley. And it's part two of Claire Shine and the finale of the excellent Hear Me Roar with Valerie Mulcahy. All of that coming up between here and seven. Aidan here with you until 7 o'clock on the big red bench here on Cork's Red FM um, hope you're enjoying the, the sunshine out there this Sunday evening wherever you're tuning in from uh, plenty going on today around the country and uh, around the world as well and I suppose let's start off with the action at St. James's Park in the Premier League it's Newcastle United 1, Manchester United 0 Stephen Goldsmith Newcastle 1, Manchester United 0 and you can't really say that the home side haven't deserved this one. It was a deep hanging cross from the right hand side it looked like the ball might have gone all the way out for a goal kick but it was kept alive at the back post by Sam Maximan who headed it back over the top of David De Gea into the path of Joe Willock who just headed into an empty goal. Newcastle 1 Manchester United 0 yeah, should be should be seven nil. It should be seven nil to Newcastle. They have absolutely peppered uh, Man United for the whole game. David de Gea with an incredible double save in the first half. I don't know how he kept it out. Um, he's basically lying prone on the ground. No, he had much to do with the second save. I suppose it was kicked straight at him. Um, but uh, it was a really good save. And as uh, he's looking for a contract extension as well at the moment, that'll do him no harm. Uh, Scott McTominay just putting a cross in there, looking for Marcus Rashford headed behind for a corner kick. Newcastle will overtake United. <laughs> Say that Newcastle United will overtake Manchester United in. The the table with a win here so you know it kind of came out of nowhere how big this game was really uh, back after the international break um, but United could do with getting an equaliser here to be honest with you 74 minutes gone um, 0868 104 106 if you want to get in touch with us throughout the show of course and at Big Red Bench on Twitter as well uh, later on in the show we're going to hear from uh, Claire Shine part 2 of that chat on Hear Me Roar with Valerie Mulcahy in the finale for now anyway of Hear Me Roar really superb series and uh, Claire Shine an excellent guest to top it off uh, for sure alright one other game in the Premier League today it was West Ham and Southampton West Ham with a big win big six pointer they're all big six six pointers now for that uh, bottom eight teams shall we say here's Guy Swindles West Ham 1 Southampton nil. crucial victory for the Hammers in the race against relegation thanks to a Gerd's 24th minute header three minutes after VAR had eventually decided he was onside Southampton thought they'd snatched a point when Onuachu's fine header seemed to be heading into the West Ham goal only to rebound off the crossbar in fairness West Ham had hit the woodwork just before 
before the break as well through Jared Owen. Uh, Jared Bowen and probably had the better of uh, a second half that was a considerable improvement. Not that it had to do much to be that above the first. It finished West Ham 1, Southampton 0. And of course, the other big news in the Premier League today was that Leicester have sacked manager Brendan Rodgers after four years in charge following their 2-1 defeat at fellow strugglers Crystal Palace. He was on the chopping block well before Christmas, wasn't he? They were really weren't going well, just about got away with it. So Newcastle United should be making it 2-0. How is it not 2-0 to Newcastle United? How has that stayed out? Martial has just nicks the ball off the goal line here United trying to to get on the counter-attack it's the worst counter-attack I've ever seen in my life somehow it's still going uh, Luke Shaw has the ball is he going to be able to pick out the pass Rashford was waiting in the middle Trippier's headed it away um, how, how are Newcastle only 1-0 up it should be 10 um, but anyway yeah Brendan Rodgers uh, sacked by Leicester um, did, to be fair he did quite well look he was he was doing well till he wasn't doing well just like every other manager that gets sacked I suppose um, but won them an, an FA Cup which was massive uh, for Leicester obviously um, but uh, just really falling apart and uh, interesting to see where where they go uh, into the future just having a look there De Gea again De Gea there's a lot of talk about him and you know is he good enough is he, is he the type of goalkeeper Ten Hag wants well if you're making saves like that I think that's exactly the type of goalkeeper that Ten Hag wants um, we saw the Borussia Dortmund goalkeeper yesterday he's supposed to be the best uh, football playing goalkeeper in the world and uh, made probably one of the worst clangers of all time in the biggest game that he's going to play for that club against uh, Bayern Munich yesterday so you know what I'll take a good shot stopper um, elsewhere Celtic of course Rogers' former club and I wonder will Leicester look to uh, his uh, successor at Celtic Ange Postacoglu as a potential uh, man to come in and replace him but Celtic restored their lead at the top of the Scottish Premiership to 9 points with a 2-0 win at Strugglers Ross County it extends the Glasgow club's winning run to 15 games in all competition and Let's relax with all the fears. Katie McCabe, like Lazarus today, grabbed the winner as Arsenal came from behind to beat Man City 2-1 in the Women's Super League. Um, went off during the week in the Women's Champions League, wearing a boot and everything against Bayern Munich. But, uh, but you know, straight away everybody's like, oh, she's going to miss the World Cup. Um, but no, she's all right. And it was an absolute rocket of a goal as well. I saw it there earlier on. Super goal. Give it a check uh, if, if you have some time because it uh, really was a cracking goal. All right, big day in Croke Park. Like we said, the National League finals. And uh, that is the halftime clip. That is the... Have we the, the right clip here? Uh, yes, full-time clip from uh, Mayo and Galway. Oshin Langen reports where Mayo have claimed a national title, the first ever title under the management of Kevin Max Day. Oshin Langen reports from Croke Park. Mayo are Alliance League Division 1 champions for the first time since 2019. They've beaten their uh, Connacht rivals, Galway, 14 points to 11. That is despite only scoring one point from play in the second half. That point coming from Jack Coins, And it was injury time when he scored it. Rhino Donahue was excellent today. He scored seven from play balls, four of them in the second half. Colin Reap, the keeper, he was immense. Not only did he score three frees, but in the second half, he made at least three excellent saves. Mayo are the champions, and they go into the championship, which for them starts next week with some momentum. The final score of this Allianz Football League Division 1 final in Croke Park. Mayo 14 points, Galway 11 points.
the perfect start for Kevin Mack's day as Mayo manager. Um, yeah, I, I sorry, I still can't see them winning in Ireland, but uh, it's, uh, look, let them enjoy it. Sure, let them enjoy the national title there. Um, so yeah, the, and Galway, I think for. It was probably the, the the biggest takeaway was how disappointing Galway actually were. Uh, they had a big chance. Of course, the Mayo goalkeeper was the man of the match. They had a massive chance towards the end of the game. Galway, when there were there was four in it at the time, and uh, fantastic save from the Mayo goalkeeper uh, to to keep that gap and uh, crucial in the end, um, to to say the least. Uh, in the Division Two final, Dublin back to winning ways. Derry falling flat. Um, I saw it was Fintan O'Toole tweeted out Derry conceded three goals in the whole campaign and they conceded four today Dublin four goals and six points Derry 11 uh, Oshin Langan was also there of course I wonder how big the Croke Park factor was in this one Dublin are Allianz League Division 2 football champions after beating Derry 4-6 to 11 points in this final they were two points down at half time they lost Dean Rock early in the game which didn't help he went off injured while Derry took their chances and Dublin didn't they did create a lot of chances in the first half but they just weren't very accurate they were a lot more accurate in the second half and it took just two minutes for them to get the first goal of the game a long ball floated into the square was palmed home by Killian O'Gara Derry lost Connor Glass not long after through injury and when John Small smashed home Dublin's second goal after being set up by Tom Lehiff you knew the Ulster champions were in trouble just two minutes after conceding their second goal they conceded their third Conor Callahan earned a penalty which Paul Mannion dispatched Lorcan O'Dell added a fourth goal with two and a half minutes to go it was a strange one he looked like he was just going to chip it over the crossbar or Lynch the goalkeeper uh, for Jerry thought that as well he didn't really go for it and it actually dipped into the top corner if that makes sense so Derry's um, inability to keep the dubs out and stop them scoring goals really costing them here the final score Dublin 4-6 Derry 11 points Dublin are the Allianz League Division 2 champions almost thought it was uh, hosting an Irish folk uh, song show there for, for a second with uh, O'Sheen's match reports um, but uh, I wouldn't say no to the gig to be fair uh, but no uh, good, old, good old stuff to hear those tunes banging out in Croke Park it means that the, the fine weather's back and the championship is only around the corner of course the championship starts next week Corker in action next week the Munster football championship like it's just all a bit too quick now at the moment isn't it Anthony Martial just had a, a really good chance for United it was blocked there's it's into the 82nd minute there um, really well worked chance and uh, timely block as well as uh, United make a few substitutions uh, elsewhere a couple of league finals in the Allianz hurling leagues Offaly back in Division 1 after 24 points to 118 win over Kildare and Port Leash in the 2A final uh, Meath came out on top against Donegal in the 2B final 20 points to 14 um, we're going to hear from Offaly chairman Michael Duggan just a second there was also action in the Red FM Hurling League Division 1 Ken Turkin Aaron's own drew 114 to 17 points it finished Carrick 23 points Killa 1-9 and Father O'Neill's beaten a piercing 226 to 13 points this morning uh, but like I said big win for Offaly because really I, I did not expect Kildare to lose that match um, just obviously from following Kerry in Division 2A Kildare looked the team to beat by, by far and like Kerry 
could and should have beaten Offaly as well like they were just disappointing on the day um, and to be honest with you I didn't think that the three teams were that close to be honest I thought Kildare were going to run away with this one but a huge one point win for Offaly to take them back to Division 1 here is Michael Dugdon to get back to Division 1 was a huge aim it was Joe um, I think there's just so much going on at the minute I think that, I think we have nine games starting from yesterday nine games in eight days at all levels Like uh, we two yesterday today we're out all next week every even bar Monday and we have a management meeting Monday night so uh, it's it's all go and it kind of it can creep up in you and you don't realise maybe the importance it was only during the week that we started thinking about it you know if you don't go up you're, you're back in two next year obviously you have leash coming down you know no guarantees and we were there. I know. I know there's a big gap, and, and we were aware of that. But like, it's, we we're two years older when we were up in Division One. The last time, by the time we go back, we have a lot of good young lads coming. And if we can stay up for a year or two, that's going to be vital. If we can stay up now next year and get the young players coming through, uh, you know, our, our young lads, 17, 18, 19, very, very good in the county. But it's going to take time, and we know that. We know it's going to be three to five years, but it's very important to be to be getting up there and competing at that level. I met Mick Spain yesterday morning. He'll be 91 this year, and he said. Offaly should never accept being in Division 2 we said no matter what the gap is you have to work and close and that you need to get up there the players want to play up there and slowly but surely if Offaly could stay in that division with the minors with the 20s again a good weekend for Offaly all, all round on all fronts three games uh, a lot of workload on players likes of Charlie Mitchell you know captain Offaly yesterday and still was able to get a big second half in him today yeah look it's unfortunate with the, with the fixtures um, on top of each other and um Look, Charlie had a, had, a, had a super game yesterday and fair play came in and did his bit today obviously the lads would like to have started him he's been brilliant during the league but look he's a young man and that, that workload will decrease uh, next year on him um, but look um, Mick Spain a great man he's right and but it's incremental, you know. We know that ourselves. We um, we're in the John McDonough now, starting on Saturday. Obviously, we'd love to win that, uh, get back into the Liam McCarthy Cup. But you know, we know there's a gap there, and and we've been trying to. We're working hard to bridge it. It'll take more time, but it it is. It, look, it's great, and it's great for the supporters, the loyal supporters we have. It's great for for the for the people of Ottawa, the older people especially that saw great success down the years. Uh, I think they really appreciate the the successes we're having about hurling football. Yeah, that Joe McDonough is going to be quite interesting. I don't have much faith in Kerry uh, getting the job done this time, to be honest with you. The year just isn't going their way. They're not really playing well. And uh, some news this morning actually coming out of the camp that Noel Constein, who was the goalkeeping coach, uh, left as well in, in kind of strange enough circumstances. So I'm not sure uh, all is going too well in the Kerry camp, to be honest. Um, but uh, yeah, awfully big win for them back in Division 1. Um, I just saw Steve McLaren there uh, acting as peacemaker on the sideline, but the tension between Ten Hag and uh, Eddie Howe on the sideline. So uh, it's uh, boiling over small, but there in St. James's Park. Still 1-0 to Newcastle, 85 minutes gone as Newcastle have a corner kick here. United had a chance, Lindelof coming on as a sub, heading over the bar, uh, but not looking good for the Red Devils. Oh, should be 2-0 there. Dan Byrne with a hitter. Anyway, let's uh, turn our attention to boxing. Young Cork boxer Tommy Hyde says his ambition is to bring world titles to Cork. The 23-year-old light heavyweight moved to 3-0 with three knockouts in his professional career recently, stopping Robert Baltaro on St. Patrick's Day in the United States. Hyde is back in action next Sunday in Waterford. Rory has been speaking to Tommy about his recent wins, next week's fight, his dream to bring back titles to Leaside and more. All right, delighted to be joined in studio by our pal Tommy Hyde, who we've had on the show a couple of times before. Tommy's now 3-0 and as a professional with three KOs. And Tommy, couldn't have asked for a better start, I suppose. Yeah, all going good. I got my debut in December and just been busy since fighting in Boston twice since then and just 
getting great training over in LA and Boston, all over America, really, San Francisco, so I'm getting great experience. Yeah, it's been what four months since you've turned professional. You've had three fights since then. Why? What's the the plan? I suppose the focus just to to keep as busy as you can. Yeah, well, the plan at the start was to just fight every month, but then with injuries and stuff, it's, you're not going to really get you're not re- going to really get a, a fight a month. But every six weeks, to every two months would be good as well. Yeah, you, you as I mentioned there in, in the the start, three wins, three KOs, and um, you couldn't have planned for a better start. Really, you couldn't have hoped it could have gone any better. Yeah like three fights as you said but I had one fight in December cancelled in Dubai and another fight in San Francisco cancelled in February so that could have been five fights but yeah I'm happy enough with how it's gone so far uh, Your last one was against Robert Baltaro uh, it was a, a, a tough opponent but you, you made light work of him Yeah he was tough enough He was uh, I was hurting him with the with some good shots and he he kept coming he kept he kept looking to win all the time even when he was hurt so it was good to get him out of there then in the third round It's obviously something your opponent struggled with is that power that you have in your hands yeah, especially you know with the smaller gloves as a professional, you're just starting to trans- or transfer into the professional game now. So I'm set- settling down the punches, letting the heavy shots go, and people are coming to see knockouts. So you want to you want to give people mm. knockouts too. How has your style changed? I suppose going from amateur into the pro ranks. It's just settling down, settling down the style, concentrating and on hurting opponents and stuff like that. But I still use my amateur skills too, nice footwork and boxing skills. And uh, yeah, but as I said, people want to see knockouts, so you need to give knockouts too. What would you see as your your, your biggest strength as a fighter? Uh, well, I'm very disciplined and dedicated, so I train very hard. And then just my boxing skills. I think I've I've good boxing skills, and I'm always looking to improve and get better all the time. Mm. Take us back, Tommy. The first time we spoke, you were about to headline in um, the Parochial Hall, um, to what would have been a sold out show, and then that got just got snatched away. Yeah, so. I was supposed to headline the pro claw. I was sold out, and five days before it, I got a, I got my MRI scan, brain scan back, and they said that that there was a findings on my brain scan, white matter findings, and that I wouldn't, I shouldn't be boxing. I should have never boxed, and <laughs> I should never box again. Yeah. So it was a bit of a scary couple of months, but I, I got a lot of tests on another MRI after six months, and went to see different brains brain specialists all over Ireland and Dublin and uh, I got the all cleared in after eight months Must have been a very kind of I suppose nervy and upsetting time for you thinking that like your whole dream has just been taken away from you Yeah definitely it was it was very uncertain times but um, after I saw the first brain specialist I got a bit of confidence off that he was saying that they made it out to be a lot worse than what it is so uh, the first the first couple of months were very tough. I kept trying trying mm. to stay positive and stuff. I've good people around me, good family and friends, and my girlfriend and all that. So I'm very lucky to have them around me and keep and keep me positive. And now is that something that is still in the back of your head, or is it just completely gone for you now? No, I got the all clear, and he says I'm not in any more danger than a normal person boxing. Boxing is a dangerous sport, as you know. But I train hard, as I said, and uh, and yeah, I just give myself the best opportunity to. To be safe. Mm-hmm. You've been training a lot in the US as well, haven't you? Yeah, I, I trained for the first fight back in April when I was supposed to have my debut in Cork. That was I did two months in Boston. Then I was trained for the for the last couple of fights in in Boston again and LA for the last one. For this one, I've been in LA for like eight weeks before I fought in Boston two uh, two weeks ago. How do you find the LA lifestyle? LA is good, but. Uh, I, it's still good to get home. Like I, it's not Cork. Do you know what I mean? The simple things of Cork. I don't know. I don't know what it is about Cork, but I love it. Cork people just love Cork. Yeah, don't they? they do, don't they? But uh, LA is good. It's it's a nice spot. It's a uh, yeah. You could get lost there, I suppose, fairly easily. It's it's very big, and yeah, the first couple of weeks are nice, and then you won't be long getting sick of it. <laughs> Who are you training with over there? I was training with uh, Pedro Neme. 
he's actually coming back from my fight in, in, in Waterford next week he's a brilliant coach he's after training the likes of Marcus Maidan and, and, and he's had a couple of world champions so he's great experience for me in the corner yeah I was going to say like having that experience uh, coaching must be like massive in helping you develop your game yeah and he's showing his confidence in me coming over he came to the fight in Boston and he's coming to this one in Waterford so he's travelling and he's showing his confidence in me he have big plans for me as well uh, over the next couple of years we want to be taking world titles and stuff and bringing them back to Cork and he believes in me so it's, it's great it's great to have someone like that behind me you mentioned that fight in Waterford that's happening is it Saturday week is it? yeah the 8th of April the 8th of April so you're, you're definitely keeping busy like yeah I'm keeping busy I'm, uh, I had about two weeks or I had about two days off when I came home eating a bit of rubbish and all that but uh, <laughs> back to it then on Wednesday so I'm, I'm flat out now at the minute yeah I can imagine so and do you know who you're fighting Saturday I'm week? fighting um, I'm fighting a guy from Czech Republic he's Trino and I'm Trino so as they say someone's all has to go <laughs> exact same thing that's the biggest boxing cliche yeah, in the yeah. world isn't it yeah um, but as you you, know, you rack up these wins you know Trino you're a very highly rated prospect I suppose the, the target on your back gets bigger with every fight yeah and, and my, my support has grown all the time uh the fan base, as they say, is growing all the time. But I'm getting great support from Cork. I'm getting great all the Cork lads that are over in Boston. I'd, I sold over 100 tickets for the last two fights there. And um, it's just growing everywhere. So I just want to keep that growing, build the train, and uh, and just keep going keep going forward. Yeah, I'd imagine there's going to be a fair few busloads heading down to Waterford. So, so yeah, so I'm, I'm, only back, I'm only back home a week, and my tickets are sold out already. So the, the support has been unreal, like it always is. And like all, all the clubs from Hannah Bonds, your bar will be down there as well. Yeah, geez, they're, uh, yeah, they're, they're all buzzing for it. They're all onto me, and uh, they're all after getting their tickets straight away, and all my buddies and all that. I'm just getting unreal yeah. support, yeah. Are you still working in the bar then when you're home, or? I worked actually, I did a shift there Sunday, so uh, <laughs> I'm not fully out of it yet, but. Uh, yeah, I, I like the, the Sunday morning shift. I, I like doing that. Good way to keep it grounded, I suppose, isn't it? Definitely, yeah. And, and they're all sound in there. They're all friends. They're not... It's, they're, uh, I'm, I'm pouring the points for them, but they're, they're all friends. Um, your dad is someone we've had on the show before. It makes me feel very old, and I'm now talking to his son about his professional <laughs> boxing career. But can you talk to us, about, I suppose, about the impact he's had and how he's guiding you throughout your career? Yeah, like, I come from a boxing family. I was named after my granduncle, who was Irish Cena champion in, like, 1946. And then it just came down from there to my granddad, to my dad. And my dad's after managing a couple of world champions. Mm. And, um, yeah, he's just, he supports me all the way. It's great to have that support. And, yeah, he's he's just, uh, he didn't force me into boxing, but he was a great inspiration and, and just kept me kept me on track all the time. Yeah, I mean, like, what was it about boxing? I mean, you obviously started at a very young age. I'd imagine you were playing a lot of other sports as well. But what was it about boxing that made you come back to it every time? I actually don't know, because I remember going into... He was helping out with a, a white-collar show, and I went in there just watching all the lads training, uh, Shawnee McGrano and stuff like that. <laughs> so it was brilliant <laughs> was seeing all lads, them yeah. training. And then he brought me up to the pro because he seen that I was enjoying it. And even... It's it's a disgusting smell of the boxing gloves, but I loved it at the time. <laughs> There's nothing like the smell of used boxing gloves, is there? So yeah, I loved that at the time, and just yeah, I don't know what it was that drew me to it. I was going to the shows, the the pro shows around Ireland with my dad, and I was just loving the atmosphere at that, and just loving boxing. I don't know what it was. Yeah. I don't know what what exactly what it was, but I, I loved boxing. And he couldn't steer you away after all his years in the game. Yeah, definitely not. He probably would have rather if I stayed with like football or something like that. They're more team sports, but uh, boxing's a lonely sport, but I've, I've a great team behind me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you mentioned world titles um, a couple of moments ago. Has that always been the aim, getting down that road? Yeah, since a child. First it was to turn pro, and then 
like just bringing big nights to Cork and being involved in big fights and getting big title fights and winning them. Mm. I want to bring world titles. That's always been the aim, and uh, I know there's a lot of work has to be done to get to that level. But uh, I'm willing to do it. Who would have been your boxing heroes? I suppose growing up. Um, growing up, there was obviously the the obvious Irish ones were Bernard Dunn and Andy Lee and all them, uh, Matthew Macklin, John Duddy. But then I was around with Guillermo Rigan all that. My dad managed yeah. him the Cuban, so it was brilliant watching him. He just had this aura about him, and he, he was did, just didn't he? Yeah. yeah, you knew he was he knew he was someone like. And um, yeah, I just love watching. I kind of watched all the boxing all the time, so I'm just a big boxing fan. The, the Cork boxing scene is uh, certainly in good health at the moment. There's a lot of good, promising fighters coming up, I suppose. Yeah, especially in the, the pro ranks now. There's there's about five or six of us, and it's great to see that. But in the amateurs then, and in the in Father Hargens, I go up there a lot. But there's Lauren Crinion just after getting the European yeah. silver, and Ray McCarthy was in the elite final. And there's, there's a lot of Irish champions there this year, Patrick Doherty and all them. So they're all they're all flying it. So, mm. And that's just one club. Like yeah. all the clubs in Cork are, are booming at the minute. And Spike O'Sullivan's probably Cork's most famous pro boxer in the last couple of years. Have you crossed paths with uh, Spike much? I know Spike. I know Spike very well. He's saying I'm going to be a, a heavyweight since I'm 11, but I'm, not, <laughs> I'm only light heavyweight at the minute, so I have a bit to go. But. Uh, he wasn't too far off. Well, if you keep eating those chips when you're home, anyway, you'll certainly be at heavyweight. Sloppy Follies on the Murphys. Can't bet the Sloppy Follies. Yeah. Uh, look, we're, we're obviously hoping to see a fight in Cork soon. We can't really talk too much about that at the moment because it hasn't been announced officially yet, I don't believe. No. Or has it? No, not no, yet. No, it hasn't been officially announced, but hopefully that's going to happen soon. How amazing would that be to fight professionally in your hometown with all those fans behind you? Yeah, that, that's just that's a dream come true, really. That's a... Uh, like as you said I was supposed to fight I was supposed to make my debut there last April so nearly over a year on and finally getting to do it it's going to be unbelievable yeah it's certainly going to be something else because I mean there's nothing like that hometown support to keep pushing you and keeping you going I yeah it's just I get unreal support from Cork since since I'm an amateur or even since I'm 11 years old people travelling to see me and watch me boxing and just support me so to fight as a pro here now will just be brilliant what's the plan so after this fight you're fighting then hopefully fighting in June are you going to take another couple of fights before the end of the year take it easy how's it going to yeah, go yeah it'd be good to get back to America in, in the summer and then we have another one penciling for November in Boston and just I don't know, there could be another four or five fights <laughs> planned in between. And I suppose your dad probably has your career kind of, I suppose, mapped out in his head meticulously about when to step up a level and when to, to move up to the next yeah, level. Yeah, that's up, that's up to my dad and my coach. Um, they, they'll progress me well. Just staying busy this year, getting the name out there and, and just letting people know who I am. Tommy, as always, a pleasure, buddy. Thanks for for joining us here on the Big Red Bench. And look, I'm not going to wish you luck for that fight in Waterford because you, you evidently don't need it. And um, we look forward to talking to you again, boy. Brilliant, Rory. Thanks for having me in. LA is good, but it's not Cork. <laughs> uh, definitely the best line out of that chat. Anyway, with Tommy Hyde there speaking to Rory during the week. Full time in St. James's Park, and uh, it's ended Newcastle 2, Manchester United nil. United at Manchester United, that is absolutely horrendous. Shocking without Casemiro. Uh, Callum Wilson got the second for Newcastle. All right, quickly before we go to a break, we're going to talk hockey. We're going to hear some of German McCarthy's chat with 2023 Munster Women's Senior Hockey Cup final winning captain Abby O'Mahony as she, as she discusses UCC's fantastic success over Cork Harlequins. Remember that the Women in Sport podcast with John McCarthy is available now on redfm.ie. New episodes every Thursday. You can catch the full version of this chat on there but right now let's hear some of it here's Abby O'Mahony with Sean McCarthy Now we are delighted to be joined on this week's Big Red Bench by the UCC 
women's senior cup final winning captain Abby O'Mahony following her side's fantastic victory over Harlequins on St. Patrick's Day. Abby, you're very welcome to the Big Red Bench. Thanks, William, for having me. It's lovely to talk to you. Um, St. Patrick's Day was a hectic day for UCC. You uh, drew with Harlequins, a team you know very well, in the Munster, in the Women's uh, Senior Munster Women's Senior Hockey Cup final. And the shootout went your way. But how important were your defence that day, Abby, and your goalkeepers in such a tight game? Um, yeah, I think we know Harlequins too well at this stage. Um, it was always going to be a really tough game. Um, the first half was fairly even. Um, I suppose we both had equal chances. And then definitely, um, you can ask anyone who's at the game, uh, we were defending for the whole second half, basically. Um, so we were so lucky to have two outstanding goalies on the day. Lorna, who played the first half, and Joy, who played the second. Um, our back four were extremely solid and calm as well on the ball. And so were our defensive show corner team. So uh, we were so lucky to have that. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was what I would describe as a very, very tight cup final, a very, very nervy cup final, and that's the way they can go sometimes. There was also a bit of history there in that the previous year's final ended in a 2-2 draw, which Harlequins won in a shootout. So when you just before you started the shootout, was, or even before the cup final as, as well, was that in your minds or had anybody spoken about it or was this just a fresh new game? Um, yeah, definitely. That was definitely in our minds. And also um, the previous week we lost in shuttles to CI. Um, so we made sure that week to prepare them well between um, people taking them and both their goalies. So we definitely went in extremely confident and ready for them. So we were delighted we prepared them well. Yeah, um, you can prepare as well as you can, but shuttles, much like penalty shootouts in, in soccer now and in Gaelic football as well, like uh, the difference in hockey is that you get a run at the actual, you know, the goalkeeper, Like, but you've got to have that confidence and it's a real one-on-one kind of standoff. I mean, are they things you enjoy yourself or would you rather you didn't have to experience them? Um, I think I've just blocked them in at this stage now. Mm. Um, eight seconds actually goes um, really slow, so I've just kind of learned to take my time doing them and stick to the plan. So we always say that in the huddle. Just think of a plan in your head and just stick to it. Don't change halfway. Um, but yeah, confidence is key, definitely going into those shuttles uh, from the very start. How important, again, as the captain, is it that like a lot of players know one another pretty well on this UCC team? You've, there's, there's a good core of you that have been together now for a number of years. You've come up through the ranks. But uh, when it gets to senior level, it, it is the pinnacle here in Munster women's hockey. Like It's not easy to win a cup. It's a fantastic achievement. But like was it was the experience, as you mentioned, losing the week before to see a like on shuttles and things like that, that you were able to absorb that and not let it get at get to you, that you just stuck to what you do best and you defended exceptionally well and then held your nerve in the shootout? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as a college team, I think it's so important that we know each other really well. Um, we're able to talk and communicate well on the pitch because sometimes the you know the older, more experienced girls from other teams mm. can uh, talk you and everything like that. So uh, definitely, the week before we learned uh, from our shuttles and bounced on, bounced back on it, and uh, practiced then at that training that week. Mm. Um, so we definitely took a lot from previous losses and the year before on shuttles. So I think because there was a big group of us who lost last year, um, again, wins, we didn't lose that many. Mm. Uh, we all were kind of gunning for it this year and 
we knew the trophy had to be ours this year. Yeah, yeah, and you can hear that in full on the Women in Sport podcast with John McCarthy. It is on redfm.ie now. It's also on the Red FM app if you want to download that. Uh, it has all the podcasts. It has this podcast as well on it. Uh, all right, we're going to go for a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to hear the finale and part two with Claire Shine on Hear Me Roar with Valerie Mulcahy. Don't go away. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Get super spring deals on technology at Harvey Norman. Write, sketch, doodle or draw. All your wildest ideas into reality with the Samsung Galaxy Tab S8 Plus. Now 959. Or stay on top of your to-do list with the Samsung Galaxy Book 3 Pro Laptop with speedy Intel Core i5 processor for optimal productivity. Now 1549. And with flexible payment options and our best prices guaranteed in-store and online, why shop anywhere else? Super Spring Deals now on at Harvey Norman. Choosing new windows and doors can be a challenge. But if you select Danish design, you can expect the best. So, look inside, let the light in and experience the difference. Rationale Windows and Doors, bringing light and comfort into your home. Enjoy great tastes and offers this Easter at Tesco. Go the whole hog for Tesco Irish Pork Crackling Joint was €13.99 a kilo, now half price. Save a little dough on Tesco Hot Cross Buns, four pack, were €1.80, now €1.50. And cap it off with Campo Viejo Rioja Reserva and Oyster Bay Sauvignon Blanc 75CL, up to 33% off with your Tesco Club Card or app. Tesco, every little helps. Products subject to availability, T's and C's apply, excludes express stores, enjoy alcohol responsibly. Curious about your cholesterol levels? Concerned about your liver or kidney function? Order a confidential home test kit with fast results for just €75. Euro. Visit webdoctor.ie. A roig oberon gorda da hail. Agus may mar blachtrile fihikuig blianan us, yel alas lagache in size corulacht. Mar hampla, dun varahe, rub oil agus unsignatia. An rud kamonta unto galer na isfortig. Tagandina ing leklat agazida mona laws duhlanig in a sail. Hogus East Fortig Slan Ocasna Egandala Griva Salem Whale Sanat to be cart over Vesavalta in a Balahain. Is Fragrat More Shagas Tami Fivrodul as an Oberata Dentagum or Son Gachel East Fortig Harnablinta? Is Ober Dakar A. Ach, Kamira is Ober Funtache. Deniertas Eg Public Jobs Punkai. Hey kids, what will we do for the Easter holidays? Zip it, Mom. Excuse me? Zip it forest adventures in Farron Woods. Oh, that's right. You were there on your school tour. Three hours of family fun, just 15 minutes from Cork City. Now we're talking. Book now on zipit.ie. Missed the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench. You're very welcome back to the big red bench here on Cork's Red FM. Aidan Lee here with you until 7 o'clock. Uh, before we get to hear me roar with Valerie, Mul- with Valerie Mulcahy, a mental Grand Prix this morning in Australia. Red Bulls, Max Verstappen won it. It was chaotic. Lewis Hamilton secured his first podium of the season as he finished second in his Mercedes with Aston Martins. Fernando Alonso in third. The race in Melbourne was red flagged three times after several incidents and ended in a procession over the line because of a penultimate lap crash. Uh, Verstappen has a 15-point lead now over teammate Sergio Perez in the World Championship standings. Perez did really well to come back. He started in the pit lane. Think got driver of the day as well. Came back. Chaotic stuff. Mental. Um, just like a 
what it crashes in the space of three laps uh, the restart the, the last lap restart was just a carnage uh, really was Pierre Gasly lucky as well not to get a, a race ban uh, he got away with his incident it went down as a racing incident but it, uh, he crashed into his own teammate uh, Esteban Ocon who they, they absolutely hate each other as well so it'll be interesting to see how that goes um, but yeah really mental and poor old George Russell as well actually took the lead and uh, kind of got a bit uh, well it was just the wrong decision they called him in to, to, for, to pit this was before the first red flag they thought it was a safety car so a safety car so George Russell came in to pit and then the red flag came out which means that he lost track position and it was a waste of a, of a pit basically because everyone else got to change their tyres during the red flag so uh, poor old George Russell got a raw deal there but uh, yeah really a crazy crash or a crazy race uh, with plenty of plenty of shunts in it and uh, Max Verstappen with his first ever victory in Australia alright today marks the final episode of our Hear Me Roar series with Valerie Mulcahy over the past number of weeks the 10 Tomal Ireland winner spoke to Nikki Daly Sunita Puspoor Louise Shanahan Lisa Maguire and Breege Corkery last week Valerie spoke with Claire Shine former Republic of Ireland international and author of the book Scoring Goals in the Dark her powerful memoir that laid bare her struggles off the pitch. Today is the second part of their conversation. The first part was absolutely brilliant. I was listening on the way home from the Ireland Under-21 game last Sunday. This is Hear Me Roar on Cork's Red FM. What makes sports women tick? What motivates us? What inspires us? Who is the person behind the athlete? My name is Valerie Mulcahy. I'm a 10-time All-Ireland winner with Cork and a six-time All-Star. Now I'm turning host and talking to some of Cork's greatest sports stars or those who have a strong connection with Cork. In this series, I'm speaking to six inspiring athletes to find out their answers to these questions. This is Hear Me Roar with Valerie Mulcahy. I got the eye of the tiger of fire Dancing through the fire Cause I am a champion You're gonna hear me roar The second part of my conversation with Claire Shine, former Republic of Ireland striker, marks the final episode of Hear Me Roar. Last week, we spoke about her early days in sport, juggling a number of sports before deciding on football and her struggles when playing with Glasgow City. This week, we talk about retirement, life after football and writing her memoir, Scoring Goals in the Dark. First though, we speak about a recent event Claire attended, Stand Up Awareness Week at Gwailclaw Stavera AG. Well, I was so glad I invited you to our school's Stand Up Awareness Week, which was back in November, where we celebrated diversity and also just, um, you know, looked at ensuring that school is still and, and continues to be a safe and supportive place for students in the LGBT community and, you know, taking a stand on the homophobic bullying and the biophobic and the transphobic bullying and... I remember when you spoke, like obviously everyone was totally engaged and they were 
listen everyone I remember you turned around to me on stage and you said this is actually the first time I spoke about my sexuality mm-hmm. yeah so, it was in a public forum yeah I don't know why it was actually it was mad when I started when I started speaking it would it wasn't something that actually came very naturally to me to be quite honest um I think I kind of hid from it for a while um speaking or speaking yeah, about yeah speaking about it okay um, I am very open with with who I am and and you know what I stand for, but I don't know why for for well, some it's a private matter, and I, yeah. I think people don't realise that it is hard, or people don't necessarily want to speak about something that's private to them, but they nearly have to because, well, not have to, but it helps. They know yeah. that it helps open the doors for others and or allows them to get a sense of that it'll all be okay for those that are comfortable enough to speak about their sexuality. That's how I perceive it anyway. Yeah, of course. And, you know, it's great to see what's out there at the moment, you know, for the LGBTQ um, plus community. Um, you know, back in our day when I was uh, trying to figure out, you know, my sexuality, I found it very difficult. Um, you know, I was the only person in my group uh, in school. You know, I know, you know, in, in the footballing world, it's it's a lot more open. Um, but I just, for some reason, found it very hard to accept it. And um, yeah, I think, you know, it took me a long time to kind of accept it and, and to go through the stages of with of it and trying to tell my parents and my family um, who are really, really supportive about it. Um, and I have a wonderful girlfriend now, Amy. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really good now, you know, looking to see the kind of support that people are getting now and being able to have these role models um, for people to look up to to say you know they were able to to do it so I can do it too um, yeah. and I think that's really really important um, we've definitely come a long way with this yeah. um, and it can definitely get better um, for for a lot of instances um, but yeah for me personally um, yeah I think I don't know why I find it, find it so hard to talk about I think it's because it's personal and yeah, you don't need don't to be really, yeah, I just f- speaking like about yeah. you know your love life yeah. to anyone or mm. your identity but um, you know at the current state of things I think it's probably still important to mm-hmm. try and break down those barriers yeah. that was a great uh, week that we had in school mm-hmm. and um, as I said I was delighted that you were there and having like what, what I found interesting was having read your book and you having had an autobiography out but there was very little mention of that so when you did turn around and say it I was like wow that's it's kind of a big deal so we were extra delighted that you did speak uh, on that topic Claire's memoir Scoring Goals in the Dark was released last year to critical acclaim as Claire spoke frankly about her struggles off the pitch she says writing the book was cathartic I've had other guests in and I've asked them you know if you had an autobiography what would you call it and who would forward it but you've been there doing that so Scoring Goals in the Dark was is your title and a very fitting one Yeah I mean I think it explains a lot of my career to be honest um, and I think you know when I do have these conversations with people it can be very dark which is something I'm trying to change because yeah. 
yeah, I went through, you know, very difficult periods, but I'm here to tell the story. I'm here to tell the tale. You know, I'm still smiling. I'm in an extremely comfortable and happy living situation at the moment. Um, A lot has changed over the last number of months. Um, Don't get me wrong, but... Yeah, it was just something that I wanted to do to help raise the awareness and break the stigma down around, you know, mental health within sport. Well, it's um, a harrowing, harrowing read and it's, it is, you know, a read that you have to be aware of when you're picking up the book, but it was um, fair play to you for writing it. Um, and who did you get forward it? Katie McCabe. Yeah, so another <laughs> Irish person who's done amazing things in the sport. So back to that question, like, do you... Now, because you have retired from mm-hmm. professional football yeah. and there is that transition and I guess the whole, what's your identity? I think you spoke about mm-hmm. that earlier in terms of when you were younger and, um, you know, not having a job and not now playing sport and that, that identity issue that what am I if I'm not the sports person or what am I if I don't have this job? But do you find or how do you find that transition from retiring to living your um, what's the word I don't think you can say normal life but you get <laughs> the me the big bad world <laughs> the real yeah, world I because think because when you're a professional athlete and you're playing professional football you live in a bubble everything's yeah. done for you really like um, you go to training you train you play games at the weekend you know there's no it is difficult don't get me wrong it it's is a lot a of very, structure yeah yeah it is um, and it's excellent it, you live a really nice lifestyle um, so it has been a massive change um, I am working with Pepsi at the moment and they're brilliant I'm loving it um, some really nice people down there you know I was actually blown away by how nice people were down there um, doing complete something completely out of my comfort zone as well and yeah I'm just really enjoying it now I must say um, it's been a whirlwind you know I've gone from playing um being a full-time athlete to um, to not, I suppose. Um, yeah. So what's interesting you in life now? What are you doing to satisfy those needs or the, the highs of sport? Or are you better off not having those big highs and <laughs> yeah. those bit deep lows? Yeah, um, I actually really enjoy work, to be honest. Um, getting up early in the morning, um, going about my day, getting home, you know, have, like I'm very easily pleased simple life simple life yeah, yeah. Um, and then do you I do a lot of gratitude yes yeah I do I am very grateful for where I am speak um, to me about that what's your routine in, in terms of um, well I do I journal quite a lot to be honest the last couple of weeks I haven't really been and well this I is the therapy session I have to me so you're okay <laughs> I had promised um, myself 2023 now I'd get back into it I hadn't really written that much since I had come out with the book well I think um, that was a lot of writing there <laughs> give yourself um, a break yeah um, but yeah it's just simple things spending time with my family is massive yeah um, I think when you're a sports person though you're devoting your time and that precious time to reaching your goal and it's when it's after you're able to maybe fully appreciate what your family has done for you in order to get there yeah do you find that yeah definitely you know living away from home as well and then moving home you know my my life has just done a completely 350 um 
flip and it's been great being able to you know spend time with my family be home in Cork you know going to the city centre see friends um, have you got reacquainted with Cork and a love for Cork or did it ever leave you uh, it never really left um, I think you know home is home and when you leave when you come back you know nothing really changes um, I do love the fact that I can just go down to Park Cueve and watch a hurling match that's one thing that I am going to enjoy like I've been to um, the Cork hurlers now and Cork footballers um, so that's going to be my new thing now going and, and you know getting stuck into that and getting involved um, going to the um, the women's games as well is something that I do want to you know do over the next couple of weeks and months as well um, just getting that Cork energy back into me I suppose I do love a good hurling match Um yeah. I must say brilliant <laughs> and in terms of watching you were just mentioning women's sports there um, what about the World Cup and Australia you oh, going yeah. to go <laughs> yeah well I've actually been invited to um, a writers festival in Sydney um, the week before uh, which I'm really looking forward to It'd be a good um Atmosphere, I'm sure. Over in Sydney, I've never been to Australia, so I'll be able to tick that off my bucket list. I can't wait for the games to start either and just, you know, be a fan for once um, and just enjoy, you know, women's football taking off completely. I think it's going to be an unbelievable tournament and Ireland being part of it is is even better. And yeah, I just can't wait for it to start and, and you know, see the girls flying the flag and... Yeah, get my jersey on and, and scream as loud as I possibly can. And do you think you'd ever <laughs> sit there and wonder like, oh, is there any regrets you'd have? Or are you comfortable in where you are? I'm comfortable where I am. Of course, there's always, you know, that thought um, that creeps in sometimes being like, what if, what if? Um, did I give up too soon? Um, but, you know, I, there was only so much my body and mind could take. Um, I tried and uh, the last two years of, of my career um, you know, a lot of things just weren't going right for me. Um, and that was hard to say I need to stop. So, oh, it was one of the hardest decisions um, I think I'll ever have to make. Uh, just for the simple fact that, you know, you never know how close you are. So to the, what, that the was Irish team now or to in general. So, you know, setting goals and, and targets and, you know, that thought creeps in being like oh you're better off just giving up you're never going to get there kind of thing and I found the mountain was so high for me to climb after you know my relapse in 2020 and my body completely changed and my mind and I was on medication and a lot changed around my sporting life um, and I think you know I had put my, my mind and my body through enough and it just got to a stage where I wanted to just be happy and to enjoy my life rather to you know take that risk of, of ever going downhill again and you know unfortunately uh, sport was was one of my biggest triggers um, in doing so which How is it your trigger? Explain that to people. Um, a lot comes with sport you know the pressures the expectations the injuries the highs and lows the the risk factor of, of playing and, and not playing um, of having a good game having a bad day or having a bad game, you know, there's a lot goes on. Um, and how it affects you, the and person, how it, how it affects, affects me, yeah. Um, I am in the process of getting a diagnosis for um, borderline personality disorder, uh, emotionally unstable, 
Um, so a lot of things hit me harder than the average person, um, especially over the last, you know, two and a half years anyway, um, since I had, you know, my, my recent um, episode, I suppose. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, I just, I had to put Claire first rather yeah. than the player. Yeah. Um, and do what was right for me and you know I don't regret my decision at all I, you know I, I'm really happy um, with where I am and yeah you know I'm in the med- middle of coming off my medication as well which is another step in, in my in st- another step in my recovery um, which I'm really proud of and yeah so it's just there was a lot going on um, and I just needed to you know step aside and, and say enough is enough um, a sport will always be a part of my life don't get me wrong um, and I love it and I've made some incredible friends I've travelled around the world and ultimately it did give me my life back um, when I felt like I had lost it so that is something that I am forever grateful for Thanks Claire that wasn't easy to um, share that with us Do you think that um, writing your book was cathartic or did it help you in the process of really, I suppose, unshedding things and, you know, how would you put it, um, reflecting on life? Yeah, well, I am a massive advocate for reflecting. I think reflecting is like, I have a love-hate relationship with it, to be quite honest. Um, And the book, yeah, was, you know, I had gone over it and over it in my head so many times. Um... So for me, it didn't feel like I felt like everybody knew as such. Okay. So then when it came to it and people were reading it and, you know, I was a massive shock to a lot of people, uh, people who are closest to me anyway. Um, you know, it, it was good for a sense of, of me actually being able to close it and move on with my life. Um you know, I had lived with it for so long that it was overpowering and it was very powerful and it was something, you know, that took over for a long period of time. So um, you think there was a freedom yeah, in definitely. S- putting it all down and being open? Yeah, and it was like 10 years of, of journaling, basically. So if you picked up my, my diary from when I was 15, you know, you'd see a lot of the things that, that would have been in the book, mm. which is a scary thought, like a 15-year-old, you know. Yeah going through something like that is is a difficult thing to read um yeah. and then 10 years on still going through the same thing you know it was um it was it's like for me it was really cool to be able to do that uh, and to share all those things and to help people along the way and guide people maybe in the right direction and hopefully not make the same mistakes that yeah. I made along the way but um, yeah, it was a massive learning cor- curve, a massive eye-opening experience, uh, an experience I I hope to maybe make again. In I was going to say, um, <laughs> Do you, will, will we expect a second one? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I'll have to give you a mention in the second book. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Might be along the cards um, in a couple of years' time, maybe. Um, just the, maybe the transition from. Uh, professional sport into the big bad world I suppose and the transition and and things like that Um, as I said 
I journal quite a lot, uh, not in the last couple of weeks, but. And if you small little uh, omission there, yeah. of a few months, yeah, I know. I'm going to get in trouble now. I didn't do my journaling. Oh, well, look, uh, accountability here, yeah, you know. Exactly. Uh, well, I look forward to that. I look forward to um, your works on that and maybe seeing a second book mm-hmm. on the transitioning into life after sport and professional sport. Mm-hmm. So. Thanks a million, Claire, for coming and for speaking and for sharing your story with us. No problem. Thanks a million. What? I think, yeah, I think we've like, we spoke about the book, career. I suppose I never really asked you about like your sporting highlight. What would your sporting highlight be? If you could pick one from all the great days you've had out, what would it be? Uh, I have, a f- I couldn't pick one, I don't okay, think. Okay, go on, top three quickly. <laughs> um, quick, quick, quick! I'm My first cap for Ireland, definitely. Um, I think the European finals under 19 under, and the All Ireland final. I think Camogie is is definitely up there as well. They are, they're they already making you smile. I can see that. Hmm? They're already making you smile. Yeah. So that's always a good yeah. sign. Good memories, happy memories. You'll always have them. Yes. Just Forever. And that is it for Hear Me Roar on Cork's Red FM. My thanks to Claire Shine for telling her story today and to all my guests. Sunita Paspore, Louise Shannon, Nikki Daly, Breach Corkery and Lisa McGuire for being so open and honest and talking to me for this series. A huge thank you to the incredible Jack O'Rourke for his beautiful music and to mygames.ie for making a special memento to each of my guests. A massive thank you as well to Rory for producing and editing the show. Most of all, a huge thanks to all of you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it, and who knows, we could be back with a second series soon. Augustan Ur Dernuk, Goramagoth, Asuk the Klusuhurt Dumanov. Slán. Big Red Bench, Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m., Cork's Red FM.